Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien, your favorite Tolkien discussion podcast. <laughs> I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right. So today we are talking about Chapter 9 of Book 1 of The Two Towers, slash Book 3 of Lord of the Rings, Flotsam and Jetsam. As always, we are going to start with Today in Middle-Earth, followed by Chase's recap of what happened last week, and then our discussion of the text this week, capping the episode off with our favorite things, both in the text and in this week of our lives. So today is Thursday, March 3rd. Katie, do you want to take it away? Yes. So um, I want to preface Today in Middle-Earth this this day because I want to say that Things in March are going to start getting a little spoilery because pretty much everything goes down in March in The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but um, I'm going to do my best not to... Sp- I mean, you know what happens, but I'm going to try and keep like super spoilery things to a minimum. Uh, but anyway, uh, like we said, today is March 3rd, and on this day, Theoden retreats to Helm's Deep, and the Battle of the Hornburg begins. Um, of course, on the same day, the Ents destroy Isengard um and let's see I'm not gonna say that that's something we haven't seen yet and I want to talk about it later um and then additionally so actually yesterday or March 1st and 2nd was the Ent moot I mean we know that yeah, having yeah, 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 known yeah. That, that, that the Ents march on on Isengard um and additionally uh just two days ago March 1st is actually Aragorn's birthday Oh, he turned 5,056 or something. <laughs> However old he is, because he's, like, ridiculously old. Right. He's, like, 80-something, right? Yeah, at, at this point in the book, he's, like, 80-something. 80, 80 but, yeah, Aragorn ends up, I think, at the, the point that Aragorn dies, he is, like, uh, 200. He died? No. Well, I, <laughs> I'm duh. messing with you. But, yeah, no, I think uh, Aragorn dies at the age of, like, 210 or something okay. like that. But, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's just been fascinating. We've kept up the long, talk, talk, you know, the year-long mm-hmm. talking Tolkien tradition of reading the books when the events take place. Like, this is not a new thing. <laughs> no, because, this isn't. Like, we, happened last year with The Hobbit in May. We started at a, at, like, we we seem to have started some things at a good time. But, yeah, here we are in March. It was a good things. idea to read Silmarillion first. Whose idea was that? I don't remember. <laughs> I like, think that was just kind of always the idea behind the yeah, podcast. It was, yeah. 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 It's because when you asked me about... Mordor, Shadows of Mordor. Yeah. I immediately like started going into some early and stuff. I'm like, okay, you just need to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, fun fact: tomorrow, March fourth, is the only calendar date that is also a full grammatical sentence. March fourth. Huh. Yeah. March fourth. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Because yeah. it's, it's an imperative. It's telling someone to march forward. March the fourth be with you. Hey, we can. S- oh. <laughs> I was just going to say that we can say that to our heroes in the book, March 4th, mm-hmm. right? March 4th, guys, conquer. I don't know if they still exist, but a decade ago when I visited Portland, there was like a hipster marching band called March 4th. There we go. So anyway, uh, Chase, you want to take it away with what we read last week? Okay, so the team that fought at Helm's Deep, they're originally part of the Fellowship, go with Theoden off to Isengard. But at first, there's this great, just like great little bit between Gimli and Legolas about the forest versus the versus versus the caverns. And I agree with Gimli on this. Caverns are pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and then they get to Isengard, and everything is very creepy but calm. There's not a whole lot going on. 
and Merry and Pippin are there, and they're enjoying some wonderful spoils of war, and that's where we pick up this week. Mm-hmm. So I will say, I've noticed a tradition over the past few chapters <clears throat> that they've all been exactly 15 pages long, at least in my version. They've been in some my version too, been, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're getting to a point where it's actually really, really regular and consistent which is nice for us kind of as readers because especially when we were balancing the Silmarillion we were like okay well this chapter is only like 10 pages Four long pages. <laughs> yeah but the next chapter is like 37 pages long so <laughs> do we want to lump them together so it's it's been really nice like reading you know it's like one chapter a week we're almost to the end of book three right yep okay almost to the end um, yeah by by page ca- numbers we're halfway through the two towers so I want to uh, just mention, so the, the title of this chapter is Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, so let's talk for just a brief second about the definition of the title. So Flotsam and Jetsam specifically usually refers to like marine trash or waste. Yeah, that's right? what, I mean, that's what came to mind to me last week. Yeah, because there it's kind of a watery ruin Isengard has become now but it's also sometimes used as uh, like bits and bobs odds and ends like useless or discarded objects like what I imagine Tolkien's house looks like (laughs) what I just for some reason imagine his like living space with a lot of just random little things everywhere yeah well he was a professor um so yeah there there's just a little thing to keep in mind just by the title flotsam and jetsam uh and of course we meet up the beginning of this chapter, right where we left off, and Gandalf and Theoden leave to go talk to Treebeard. Um, and the, as uh, the important dudes, as the <laughs> chapter likes to make it seem like the hot, like the, I don't remember the exact word usage, but it was like let's say the important guys that gotta go speak. Yeah, over there, they have to go take care of important business. Yeah. Well, I I thought it was kind of nice that for once Aragorn like wasn't involved in that group. Yeah, of Aragorn gets a bit of respite in this chapter. And so, indeed, yeah, the three, the hunters, stay behind to catch up with their friends. So, immediately, Gimli is like, okay, hobbits, I'm happy to see you. You need to tell us what happens. He says, you owe us, Yeah, basically. you owe us. Like, we, we need to settle the score here. We were chasing around at Fagorn for a place I didn't want to be at, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But then, the hobbits are like, well, what about you? We're just as interested in you. And Legolas says, and this kind of offended me, but Legolas is like, no, we're the ones who hunted you. You tell us first. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, you know what, Legolas, you also didn't find them, so. <laughs> well... They didn't exactly go very far before Gandalf was like, you need to go with me, but what about pop, whatever? You need to go with me. Don't worry. I'm a wizard. Um, and also, Gemli was like, actually, how about you not tell us first? How about you feed us first? Tell us second. Well, so, Gimli is cutting right to the heart of, of a hobbithood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, indeed, they do have food that's been brought to them. And uh, they're very glad that it's man man food. Food that people eat and not orc food because Mm -hmm. none of them wants any more orc food. We've had grand descriptions of orc food. Yeah, and it's 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 not tasty. No, Um, and so yeah, this is great. They have like pretty decent pork, uh, and 
also bacon. Mary's like, I could fry you up some bacon if you'd like. Uh, unfortunately, though, no green stuff. But they do have bread. I'm sorry that it's four days old. <laughs> and all that I have to go with it is butter and honey. But hey, we do have beer and wine. So I love how, I love the expression pretty decent pork. It just sounds like a like a hipster brand, you know? This is pretty decent pork belly. I don't remember if that's the actual phrase that was used. May, that may have been my own. I've had some he, pretty He says that the pork. wine is very passable. I don't remember about the pork. Yeah, the wine I is had very passable. Yeah. wine this weekend. And but at like, any yeah, rate. nothing green, just butter and honey for the bread. <laughs> like, I apologize. <laughs> you know, Gimli is very excited by this news. And then I also like that the hobbits sit down to eat with them, too. And they say to keep our guests company. And I'm like, yeah, right. You're hobbits. You just want to eat again. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was even better. It was, you were full of courtesy this morning, laughed Legolas. Yeah. But maybe if we had not arrived, you would already have been keeping one another company again. Exactly. Like, I I'm a, I'm have the same view as Legolas here. Like, we, we see through you, hobbits. You're just ready to eat. Um, of course, <sighs> typical hobbit behavior, which is great. Um, and then, you know, they, they remark that the hobbits look in rather good health, which is somewhat surprising given, you know, they, they know what their fate was, that they had been uh, dragged off by orcs. And, you know, their hair is thick and curly, and they even say, you seem taller than you did, if that's even possible for hobbits well, of your we age. we hadn't necessarily been anything. We've, we'd, we'd come across this stuff that Treebeard gave us called Soylent, that is all the <laughs> nutritional <laughs> <laughs> I am this close <laughs> to just turning off my microphone or walking away. The tr- the int drought yeah, draft is what it's called. Draft, yeah. It was what they've been drinking and that's been like it's been a good, you know, it keeps you going, but there's still But it's not sustenance. It's not like dining. So, yeah. yeah. Not the same as eating actual food that you have to chew. Um, uh, yeah, which you can also derive pleasure from. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just like chasing a nerve with me because I love these people. These people are like, oh, I just hate eating. I'm like, really? Do you not enjoy flavor? Like some of us don't like what we do and enjoy our lunch. So I actually <laughs> like what I do, but I do enjoy lunch too. Anyway, regardless, no end draft for the hobbits. So then, of course, Mary's like, oh, there's also all of this pipe weed. It's from Hobbiton. Or it's from the Shire. And that goes best after after eating. So I think we should have some now. Uh, and Gimli is like, oh, I, I lost I, my pipe in Moria. Yep. Any spare ones around here? Not really. I mean. Yeah. There, there weren't any pipes. And they remark, well, Sar- if, if this is here at Isengard, Saruman must have been using it for himself and not wanting to share. Uh, and, and so... Luckily enough, of course, our dear friend Pippin just happens to keep a couple of pipes on him just for, you know, this such an occasion. Mm-hmm. They've, um, they've been through hell and back. They were kidnapped by orcs. But what does he still have? An extra pipe. He, he dropped still, the yeah. daggers, too. Like, <laughs> it, But still has the, guys, has the pipe. Guys, guys, guys. What is important to hobbits? Good food. Good food and the sticky good icky. Good drink <laughs> and good pipe weed. And I mean, this is legitimate long bottom leaf. Yep. So the time is ripe for us to make another Harry Potter joke. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. So, and if we remember, this is, you know, one of the three types of pipeweed that is one. the most sought after. Yeah. And this is probably the oldest uh, type of pipeweed as well. So, and it, it's it's the good stuff. Um, so, yeah. And Pippin, Pippin just, you know, once again, pulls out these pipes. He says, well, I just so happen to have kept some on my person, luckily enough. Um, and 
he makes a remark that these pipes, you know, they're they're little things, but they're as precious as rings to me. Capital R rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically gives it to Gimli and says, "Keep it." And Gimli is very grateful, of course. This, uh, and then I, I liked this exchange between them. Pippin says, "Does this settle the score between us?" And Gimli is like, "Most no- most noble Hobbit, it leaves me deep in your debt." So yeah, this is this is a a good gift. Mitching as precious as rings, so hopefully they don't light it up and smoke it up, and then like, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm imagining like a world in which, you know, Frodo just takes the ring and just becomes the evil overlord of of of, of Middle Earth, and then like Pippin somehow like backstabs him, like Smeagol did, and takes the ring and then like reforges it into the rim of a pipe. This big and, pipe like, uses yeah, it's this magical pipe that he rules the world with. And, one uh, one pipe to bring him in the darkness and bind them. You guys, that's not the point of this book. This You're missing like a, the entire point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Destroy evil things. We we did gloss over my favorite moment of this exchange, though, which is Mary says, we will we shall have to share pipes as good friends must at a pinch. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, yeah, that's that's a nice little nod or um, tidbit there, too. Um, but I will I, say, though, also, even that even though, like, I'm not a smoker. I love the like the communal aspect of, of, of cigarettes. Like people always offer you one or you'll share one or you'll light one for somebody like that. I understand that like communal part of smoking and that like ritualistic part that that really is attractive to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I want to I want to also say something a little bit more about this pipe, because this pipe is kind of an important symbol to me. Um, in this chapter. So, you know, like we said, this pipe is rather trivial in comparison with the ring. Yeah. Um, Though, you know, Pippin does kind of almost compare it to it for how precious it is to him. Um, So this pipe is, you know, sort of like the flotsam and jetsam, like the trivial bits and bobs sort of, Um, you know, it's, it's not going to make any big uh, change the course of history like 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 this ring can but what it is is it's a sim- a symbol of companionship and a symbol of friendship and goodwill and again he's giving this gift to his friend that that uh, that he's finally reunited with and it's also a symbol of once again all of these things that hobbits really value that we've been shown before uh, throughout um, throughout our readings and um, especially reminds me to Thorin's dying words to Bilbo um, about, you know, valuing the small things in life. Yeah. Remember that these are the real heroes of this story. It's like time for the little people to inherit the earth. It's like there's a little bit of light in this like dark expanse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, I, I mean, it, it's a very small little little segment of this whole ordeal, but there's just something about these little moments where we're, we're reminded about uh, the things that hobbits value and the things that hobbits can bring to, uh, to, to other people that are the things that are the most important. It's like the small happiness. That's like somehow greater than even just winning a battle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So then, oh, so then right after this, this moment, they're, they're kind of sitting here smoking. There was another thing that I really liked and it was, so, uh, they, they come back up out of this chamber and go outside and are kind of sitting there and they're smoking and Strider is like blowing smoke rings and Pippin makes this comment. Uh, he says, um, 
where is it? Uh, so Strider, Strider has smoking. returned. Yeah, he says Strider the Ranger has come back. And oh right. Yeah, Aragorn replies, he has never been away. <laughs> I am Strider and Dunedain too, and I belong both to Gondor and the North. Um, and that was a thing that I really liked about... And suddenly a white beam of light <laughs> came down from heavens and shined upon him, and he was glistening in silver. Yeah, but, you know, and we've, we've, but we've seen so many instances of this, you know, yeah, great, exactly like, that. kingly... Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like, he's, he's still this, you know... Just gritty, like, yeah, gritty <laughs> Wild ranger man, guy. Wildlife man. <laughs> yeah. So that was something that I really liked. So then the hobbits ask Aragorn what what day it is, and he says it's March 4th by the Shire Reckoning. Or March 5th. March 5th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I've been graphing onto any, like, date that pops <laughs> up in these books. Where can I place this? Yeah. yeah like October and then we, in the Fellowship. We get a little asterisk that thankfully informs to us uh, that every month in the Shire calendar has 30 days. Uh, So Pippin is like, oh, wow, it's only been nine days since we've been separated. And there's no real reason for us to explain the first half of what happened because we know it from both perspectives already. Um, Although Aragorn does return the brooch to Pippin, says, you know, this is very precious. And Uh, their swords, too. And the swords, yes. Mm -hmm. These were very precious gifts and must have been hard to give away, but we appreciate your riddle. And Legolas is like, yes, you had me very confused. I thought you might have sprouted wings. <laughs> um, but what I think what's really of interest to us is what happens after the Entmoot, because that's when the narrative stops following uh, Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, they start talking about, oh, five nights ago. Yeah, we were, we were with the Ents. And... Uh, Mary tells them about meeting Treebeard and about the Entmoot and um, then has this really great description of what happens once the Ents finally decided to march on Isengard. And, you know, Pippin even recites like a, a line out of that song, you know, that the Ents had been singing. And the way that Mary describes it is that the forest explodes. Yeah. Which is, it was just really cool um, hearing it from our Hobbit's point of view. Um, and they're talking about like the, the, the kind of sheer raw power of the Ents, which is really affecting. Well, and describing this like the older Ents who are who are more tr- almost like more tree than anything else. Yeah. Kind of kind of I, my brain went to like almost like like pipe organ music in a way. But I like, see that. but like, but 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 more, uh, not as clean, I guess. Like really earthy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, most of the uh, non, well, okay. So pipe organs, no two are alike. First off, and they have several different steps, but a lot of them are reed based, um, rather than just like uh, like flute style pipes. Yeah. So that's not inaccurate. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, like it's got that kind of like woodwind quality to it i i just was saying because i got an obsession with pipe organ music <laughs> also pipe, pipe organs organ are cool <laughs> um but yeah and so what you're talking about there is uh we learned they're called um horns and they're kind of we, we don't actually get a very clear description no, of what they not. really are they're you know basically they're either ends that became more like whoops ends that became more like trees or trees that became more like ants <laughs> so um the ones going up or ones going down i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah but kind of unlike 
and to you know interact with with the hobbits and stuff like that horns are very like sneaky and they move very quickly and you never actually notice them moving yeah and they're also described as very kind of dark and terrifying and powerful and uh you know mary says at some point like he wouldn't want to come across one without an end there (laughs) um and they and they they also of course can create this darkness to conceal their movements so Back to the. We get a bit I of see this weird darkness off in the hur- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think it also becomes pretty clear that this is what the amazing moving forest that appeared and then disappeared at Helm's Deep is. Yes. So they tell basically how the entire forest kind of marches on Isengard. Yeah. And basically, and the, the Ents, he, you know, again, the great speed of the Ents as they, you know, they have this purpose that they've decided on, so they. They book it and they move there. But Isengard is full of orcs. Yes. And 10, so they 10,000 orcs. And so they hold off. And Mary Pippa described like seeing 10,000 orcs marching. And they're not marching one direction. They're mm-hmm. kind of going everywhere. But they're very But this is this is the orc army that we see attack Helm's Deep Lake. This yeah. has been I I really dug this because you're seeing like it, everything seems so very three-dimensional in a way like you're seeing so many aspects of everything because you've got points of view at each spot um and again there are so many moving parts that are happening and then like mary one of them talks about like how you know it took them an hour to move out like mm -hmm. it took an hour for them to like file out of isengard and it wasn't until they were gone that they made their move yeah so they can you know so they can camouflage themselves super effectively. So there's no real reason for them to rush. You know, they're in a great location and they can just watch the armies march out. It makes their job a lot easier. So Treebeard uh, at this moment calls for Saruman. And the answer that he gets is arrows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, makes a point of the, oh, Mary and Pippin are like, no, they, they don't really... He feels them. They hurt him, but they're not going to stop him. Yeah, it's it's. I think they say it's kind of like flies, annoy, like like stinging flies. Yeah, like yeah. stinging flies. Um, and now we get these great images of the Ents' really fantastic strength in destroying the stone walls at Isengard. Um, and Mary says it takes a very serious axe stroke to. Uh, to harm them, they don't like axes. Yeah. But there would have to be a great many of axemen, great many number of axemen to harm one ant. A man that hacks once at an ant would never get a chance for a second blow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> punch from an inch from an ant fist crumple, crumples up iron like ten. Yeah. And of course, that's exactly what they do. Uh, crumbling the rock there and even the iron gates. And also... It's not like Isengard is very well guarded against an end fight. In fact, it even makes a point to say that Saruman didn't think about that, apparently. Yeah, he well, com- he had completely underestimated this uh, this particular enemy, not even thought about it. He says it was like watching the work of great tree roots in a hundred years all packed into a few moments. Yeah, so that's the so, magnitude of what went down at Isengard. <laughs> Tolkien clearly considered like the rock, paper, scissors level of... <laughs> You know, paper beats rock. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, they're incredibly effective at destroying the fortifications. And uh says that Sauron was kind of in the south watching 
the army go out and he was running back to the forest. Saruman. To the, yes. <laughs> that would be quite the change. Hey, that, yeah, would be. that would be. <laughs> oh, crap. Um, yeah, Saruman is running back to the, not the forest, the tower. And it is our friend, Quickbeam, who spots him and kind of runs after him. But sadly, he misses him just as Saruman kind of gets into the doorway. Yeah. So Saruman basically holds himself up in, in the Tower of Orthanc. And that is something that even the Ents can't destroy. Yeah. Because there's some kind of like strange old magic that seems to be protecting Better it. Better magic than whatever Saruman has. That is <laughs> what is noted. Yeah. Older well, as yeah, well. Yeah, like it, it seems that the the rock is like slippery to the moment. It was like they can't get a hold on it. Right. Yeah. Um. Because it. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like they, they can get their grip on it. It's just crushing power. Um. And so yeah, now Saruman starts to put his nasty machinery to work, and we get this like you know nasty smoke billowing up out of uh out of the ground like he's got all these like huge caverns under um the ground that are previously had housed all of his orcs that he's sent away uh and and this nasty smoke billows up and the ents are kind of beating against this tower um but realize that nothing's really happening um, and that, Treebeard gathers them all together. Yeah, but Treebeard's like, we, well, need to, we, need to re, we, we need to reconvene on this one. And, yeah. and kind of during the attack, there was a, what sounds to me like napalm almost, it's described as like a liquid fire. Uh, yeah. Kind of it was poured onto an ant named Beachbone um, who burned up, and it was a horrible sight. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine, those, yeah, that'd be pretty horrible. So, yeah, Treebeard now has a plan, and basically they all go north. And there are a couple who are set to watch. And Merry and Pippin, uh, as throughout their telling this whole thing, kind of tell us that they're basically keeping tr- keeping back, keeping out of the way, um, and uh, are basically seeing all of this unfold before their eyes. And the Ents go north and start gathering the waters of Aizen and all of the other kind of streams nearby. Um and it's at this point that a friend comes by who <laughs> shows up, that. but a white rider on a white horse shows up and Mary Pippin are like, Oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> you... And then it's a ghost. The, it's a phantom. It's Gandalf. The best moment in the book. Because, yes. Uh, you know, he, there was no need. He just halted us. He halted just by us and looked down at us. Gandalf. I said at last, but my voice was only a whisper. Did he say, hello, Pippin? This is a present surprise? <laughs> no, indeed. He said, get up, you Tom fool of a took. Where are the name of wonder? And all this ruin is tree beard. I want him quick. <laughs> Gandalf has no time for pleasantries. No, we got to get, get this thing figured out. There, you, We got war because I can't stay here for too long. I got to talk with tree beard and I got to get going. Well, and, and Pippin notes that uh, it just seemed so obvious. Like there was something he wasn't like, he, you know, He's there not clued in on yes. something. Like they had told Treebeard about Gandalf falling to his, they thought his death, but then Treebeard was like not surprised to see Gandalf and Gandalf was like, just somehow knew Treebeard was going to be there. And the hobbits are like, man, what are we not in on? And Pippin kind of puts it together. He's like, 
I think they know each other already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 then figures that since, remember, Treebeard's motto of don't be hasty, figures that's why he didn't clue them in on this before. Although, you know, it would have been nice, Treebeard, that you could have told us uh, about our friend. <laughs> One of our best before. friends is still alive. Um, but yeah, that was uh, just a, a nice little, uh, like, as- aside to the, like, epic, destruction that's that's looming and that's ongoing in, in Isengard and we get this like hilarious meet, meet up with Gandalf however brief it may be yeah because he just kind of like he's like well now I gotta go find, follow those orcs yeah because that's my that's that's what I gotta deal with <laughs> like he sounds like Gandalf in this sounds like like a boss who is like having to deal with a whole lot of stuff at the moment like everybody messed up that one day <laughs> I gotta go handle this you're the least of my concerns right now I mean yeah though you know right Gandalf's back and forth and back and forth and we have things and I need help Treebeard and there's orcs that we have to take care of can you help me and um not just there's orcs there's 10,000 orcs <laughs> there's 10,000 orcs which yeah Treebeard knows because he just saw them um and Gandalf so like he comes back to the hobbits and has another very typical Gandalf exchange with them basically tells them stay out of trouble I'll be back um but first he tells them so like you know they ask him but Gandalf where have you been and Gandalf replies in kind of typical Gandalf fashion he says wherever I have been I am back (laughs) (laughs) such a great I I read he said that like wherever I've been I'm back like just (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then he says, "Yes, I have seen some of the others, but news yeah. must wait." Um, so once again, you know, this this is not the time to catch up. I I gotta go. Um, just has no time to deal with them. I just love it. It's so great. <laughs> and you know, hopefully he will be back. And now the hobbits know. Oh, there's a huge battle going on, and our friends are there. So now they're you know worried for their friends, though they do know that uh, at least that they are uh, alive. Um, and they figure that there's this huge battle, and Treebeard's like, "Don't worry, the Huorns will help them." <laughs> yeah, so Treebeard kind of catches them up to speed a little bit after Gandalf leaves. Yeah, and then things just get kind of weird and like really silent, and the hobbits are just kind of poking around for a while, trying to stay out of sight of the tower. Right, and kind of at the same time, there's this beautiful symmetry with Isengard and Helm's Deep because. Basically, night falls and this huge. They see the storm off in the distance, which remember that that's you know the, awesome storm yeah. happens at Helm's Deep, and then at midnight here, that's when the Ents really like bring their attack on, and they release all that water, all that water that they had dammed there. At it's the, called steam plumes and everything, and that's when Aragorn's like, "Hey, I know that." Uh, and, and, and says that they had seen that prior. They had seen that off in the distance. Yeah, that weird funky smoke that they mm-hmm. had seen before. We thought it was we thought Saruman it was boiling something. It's like, no, it was just us. No, that was actually the Ents cleaning Isengard, yeah, right? Yeah, um, Which is great. You it's know, good imagery. Yeah, that's true. That's that's exactly. It's, it's like they're washing it clean of all of the nasty workings that Saruman has had here. <laughs> Um, so they, yeah, again, you know, Mary and Pippin basically watched, had watched the whole thing and, uh, had managed to not get trapped underwater, which was good. Yes. Um, and then Gimli's like, oh wait, what about Wormtongue? Well, <laughs> Wormtongue did show up eventually. Yeah. Was it that same night or was it later on? But is at some point when not, when the steam, 
was no longer just straight up steam. I remember described like it kind of settled slightly and it became mm-hmm. this bizarre it was, fog. Yeah, it was after it had, okay, so the ants flooded it, you know, it started slow at first and then it filled, kind of came bigger and bigger and filled in all the caverns and started smoking and steaming and then the fog happened and then Wormtongue came. And because Gandalf had already come, Treebeard was expecting Wormtongue. So right. when Wormtongue saw the the carnage and tried to flee, Treebeard just picked him up off of his horse and <laughs> of course ran away terrified. And, Not so quick. <laughs> Treebeard basically said, oh, no, you've come for a message with, or with a message for Saruman. You should deliver that. <laughs> he sits him down and is like, how about you You walk? You know, I'll follow you. And Tree, uh, Wormtongue is like, I can't swim. And Treebeard is like, okay. It's not that deep. Don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so Wormtongue once again tries to do his Wormtongue thing where he's like, well, I mean, my message doesn't matter anymore uh, because I was just coming to warn Saruman about things that were going down. (laughs) So, and Treebeard's like, no, no, you Put all the rats in one trap. Put all the rats in one trap. Yeah. And basically forces him to, to, to crawl up the up these uh steps and then we see him get pulled in that was my favorite little bit they're like we know he's still up there because he pulls worm tongue in yeah 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 it's just a hand though they just saw a hand yeah um and it's at this point when you know treebeard so treebeard has taken over you know uh the 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 rule kind of at, at Isengard and has set Marion Pippin to be kind of his his welcome wagon and told him you know there are going to be there's going to be the king of the mark coming here so you need to address them as should as you should and surely you can um, so we get all to that and Aragorn kind of fills them in on who Wormtongue is um, and then the the we kind of round out this chapter with Aragorn sort of puzzling uh, after all of this about how this pipe weed came to be at Isengard. And, and how it's not, because he's not been to Isengard, but he's been in that area and knows it's not from there. Yeah. This is, you know, and stuff doesn't really come out of the Shire very no. often. And, you know, they're all kind of wondering about that. How did this get, come to be here? And this is actually sort of worrying to Aragorn and, uh, it wonders, well, does, does Saruman have someone there? Yes. And uh, I'm going to be sure to mention this to Gandalf because he, he will like to know. So um, that's something to think about. Uh, and additionally, because he had asked, and uh, it was either Mary or Pippin, I forget, had said, well, this <laughs> and this crop is from last year. Oh, yeah, so it was a new crop, yeah. yeah. So it was pretty, pretty recent, and that's worrisome that um, something that would come out of the Shire that wouldn't normally come this, this far in this way has uh, has, has made sh- shown up here yeah so this is weird something's going on well and earlier they had compared the appearance of the tall orcs or the urukai to that curious southerner and brie who was spying on us right um and both mary or pippin i don't remember which one and aragorn had kind of both had those suspicions so clearly they're establishing this link that sauron has pawns Everywhere. In places, yeah, in other places. Yeah. And Aragorn even said, you know, because Mary was like, maybe Saruman's only considered to be wise because he hold, hold himself up here and this is a magical place. And Aragorn was like, no, no, no. In his day, he had great power. 
he was as skilled a physical magician as, as Gandalf was. He was great with his hands, and he held sway over the minds of many weak men. Right. So he's got uh, he's got ways and and uh, cronies about. <laughs> uh, and then that's basically yeah, that's where the chapter ends. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Well, there was kind of your your info dump that you've been. Waiting it was. For. It really was. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It wasn't from Gandalf, and it, but yeah, I got I got what I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just need something from. I just it. it I don't know what I'm getting at. I just really like this chapter because of all the geography. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say it. My favorite thing was just the the references to the geography in this one, mm-hmm. just because like it gives it just. I, I, I can't help but feel like Tolkien getting so giddy and excited about like how this is referencing this and they're able to see this from here and mm-hmm. and playing with the timeline like that. That was my favorite thing from this chapter, which has been singular to the two towers so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, remember a couple of episodes we talked about how the uh, the fact that we have not yet encountered Frodo or Sam at all. Yep. I'm expecting Other... chapter f- or book four. Bingo. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm expecting <laughs> book four, especially since we only have two more chapters left of book three. And see, yeah, that's the thing that I kind of had wanted to hold off actually explicitly saying this just to see like, you know, as, as we yeah. go through what you think. But yeah, that's basically the overall structure of the two towers. The first book we follow, you know, uh, the hunters and then, of, of course, our captive hobbits. And the second book is when we're going to get um, Frodo and Sam's story. And really, that's kind of the way it had to be done because it it's so split. Yeah, the, the yeah fellowship, it, it the, makes perfect sense. Right. At the end of Fellowship of the Ring, the, the fellowship is broken and we have two completely separate paths. Um, again, everything in this entire book, there are so many moving pieces. Um, and we get like half of it here and we're going to get half of it in the next book. All right. Mm-hmm. What are y'all's favorite parts? <laughs> Um, Gandalf coming up and he's like, "You fool of a tuck." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like your your long lost father coming back and he's like, "Kid, help me out here." <laughs> yeah, um, mine. I think my favorite uh, is Pippin giving the pipe to Gimli. Um, again, because of all of the implications that I find in that just simple little exchange between them. All right. Well, any recommendations outside of the world of Tolkien? Uh, well, I, I guess. Well, so I, I mean, I had kind of a boring week again, but um, I last night I watched, um, which I hadn't watched in a long time. I watched Billy Elliot, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, if you don't know, it's it's the one about the little. Uh, boy who wants to learn ballet and it's it's but it's like there's so much more involved and like is he comes oh yeah because it's about thatcherism and like class yeah. struggles in Northern yeah. England. yeah 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 um and it's just i i hadn't watched that movie in, in like a couple years and it's one of my favorites and like the last scene particularly is so effective like i weep every single time i watch it, it doesn't matter like i know what's i know the imagery and everything that's happening but it's so beautiful and perfect i love it you know what's funny is i've, I've not seen the movie i've only seen a stage production of it 
I ha- see. I haven't seen the stage production, but yeah, no, the movie is wonderful. It's great. I love it. I will say, I actually didn't care for the last scene because they used like the adult male ballet dancer mm-hmm. who didn't look anything like Jamie Bell. Yeah. So like. I understand why they did that. Like it was kind of necessary, but there wasn't that kind of emotional continuity from the, from the performance that had been carrying us through the whole movie. So that like struck me a little bit, but it is a very good movie. And I'm jealous of you, Chase. Uh, the Broadway production was unique in that they awarded the Tony award for best actor to all four of the boys who played <sighs> Billy. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Because As being, it should you know, be. Uh, being children, they had multiple uh, yeah. actors who would kind of, rotate in and out and so all four were awarded the tony together which was really cool. that's nice yeah. yeah that's cool um for me this is not a happy one i finished the bell jar uh, which oh. is a, a depressing book in its own right and then immediately moved on to the oral history voices from chernobyl that sounds oh um okay probably <laughs> bad, 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 bad words word usage that sounds like something i should read i it's no i mean it's an incredibly effective book it's very very well put together um you'll be crying in the first eight pages i would yeah i would imagine (laughs) i was like sitting on the train reading this and like just weeping so it's not a book to take lightly i think i need to read something light next especially as we especially as we move into frodo and sam's journey uh (laughs) yes other than that um personal notes I have health insurance at my job and I feel like a grown up. Nice. <laughs> yes. I, I had to wait like through a, a short probationary period after my new hire. And then I got, and the, 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 the insurance is great and I feel like a grown up and I just want to say. That's awesome. It feels good. And I'm going to go to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yay. Adulting. I'm the only thing I have to, I have to say my two favorite things was I interacted with two of my favorite TV shows uh, right now. One, I caught up with Venture Brothers. That's not worth talking about. That's a good show. But, that's not, <laughs> but the big one is Broad City's Back. Yeah. yeah. I've watched the first two episodes of that. It's been really notoriously hard to watch it. So what I did is I broke down and I've actually bought the episodes on iTunes. Because it's not on Hulu for some reason. So Yeah, they're delayed by 21 days on Hulu. 21 yeah. days? That's yeah. very annoying. Wow, but you well, can watch them on ComedyCentral.com. Well, you can watch them on comicsdoor.com or just buy them on iTunes. I'm going to just buy them because I love the show. So, man, these first two episodes are pretty solid so far. Especially the very first scene of the very first episode was killing me. Was killing me. I was laughing so hard at that. That was such a brilliant thesis for the show. I haven't gotten to watch it yet, so I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I've only watched the first episode. I'm going to actually watch the second one. I was laughing harder at the second episode. The second episode just has these like moments where I was just like, it felt weirdly like I know like there's like, there's like a section about a co-op and it was, it was referencing people. It was making these jokes. I was like, I know these people exactly. Like it was too (laughs) perfect. It was like, Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's a great show. Everybody should check it out. Although it is not for the the faint-hearted. No, it's no. <laughs> it's vulgar. It is. So, I think that about wraps us up for today. Uh, next week we will be reading and discussing chapter ten, the voice of Saruman. Indeed, we will. Uh, and before we go, I'd like to once again give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. 
thank you so much for helping us to purchase new equipment and upkeep our website and uh, all of that wonderful stuff. We have a goal in, in, in our site of being able to buy better editing software, which we hope we'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Make, uh, make our lives a lot easier, especially Chase's life. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. I have such a long list now. Yeah, and we really appreciate you so much. <laughs> we can make like a poem on acrostic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last favorite thing that I just remembered, I made pasta for lunch the other day or to take to work for lunch and i was just a very simple like garlic olive oil you know like i fried some garlic and some olive oil oh okay Uh, and when i microwaved it and like took it out of the microwave i had four people within the time span of three minutes be like oh my god that smells so good hey and it was literally just olive oil that i had like infused garlic with (laughs) <laughs> home cook I learned a very valuable smells in New York home cooking is like catnip for New Yorkers so. <laughs> that's very you, true you, you made that uh, for yourself it, it's the recipe for those of you who have been following Chase and my adventure with the food lab it is just the uh, like the garlic the three flavor garlic recipe in the <coughs> beginning of the pasta subsection of the I, food lab I feel like I need to get that book now <laughs> <laughs> we could have a different podcast <laughs> Oh Lord, talking J. Kenji Lopez Alt. That's not as that's not as uh, licking Lopez Alt. Ooh, that's oh you know, no, I, no. And I feel like that should be a show you have alcohol on because I found a whiskey that goes well with Tolkien. It's called J.P. Weiser's. There we go. That's, okay, that's what we should do. We should do a special cooking episode called Tasting Tolkien. Well, I I have some recipes that exist that I could uh, teach you guys how to make. Like I have a Hobbit seed cake one, and I have one that's supposed to be like Lembus and. Um, I will try to find the end draft thing that I had that one time. That would be fun. I hope everyone else is as hungry as we are now. I'm going to go make dinner. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And together we are talking Tolkien. Powers unite? <laughs> By our powers combined. <laughs> <laughs> By the power of Hobbiton. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. Stop him! Somehow!